0: My name is Donna Barton, and I'm part of the ministry team here at Christ Pacific. And if I haven't met you, then we need to fix that. So find me after service and come and say hello. I'd love to meet you. For the rest of you, hello. We're here at nine. You are the faithful nine, folks. I know for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. Good on you. Good on you. I know I am um, a kind of a person who runs late. And so then when there's a time change on top of the tendency to run a little late, it's like, oh, Donna. So, um, you know, good on me. I'm here at <laughs> 9, too. So, you know. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love you guys. Well, uh, this week, along with some of the difficulties that um, Britt talked about and appreciate her prayer during this Difficult time. We also um, lost Queen Elizabeth too this week, and I know for uh, the people who live in England and you know some of the Commonwealth places, this is you know quite significant for them. And uh, I listen to a devotional every morning, and it's actually London-based. So the day after Queen Elizabeth passed. Part of the devotional talked about her. And actually, something I didn't really appreciate was her faithfulness to the Lord. And so I thought I would just read to you a little excerpt from um, my devotional. At the age of 26, Elizabeth was crowned queen. At her coronation, the queen was presented with a Bible as these extraordinary words rang out in Westminster and around the world. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing the world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. She was wearing a priceless golden crown adorned with 2,901 precious stone. She was sitting upon a throne that is a thousand year old vaulted abbey. Yet God's word was recognized as the most valuable thing the world affords. We have the same book here this morning. We have the most valuable thing, The world affords right here with us praise god for his word will you join me in prayer the psalms say your word is a lamp for our feet and a light to our path we pray that as we study your word this morning that it would illuminate our path and direct the way you would like us to go in the name of the lord we pray amen so a friend of mine came up to me and um, he wanted to ask me a question regarding the Bible because he considered me a religious person. So he, hoped oh, I couldn't answer his question. And he said, I noticed that at every major sporting event, do you want to show that slide? At every major sporting event, there's always a sheep hanging from the guardrail whether it's football or baseball or basketball and they have the words John three sixteen 16 painting across it and he wanted to know like what did that mean so I'm thinking oh here's my big chance I get to share the good news about Jesus Christ with him and it's going to change his life this this is an important moment So I looked at my friend, and I said, why, John 3.16 is a verse from the Bible, and it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And my friend looked at me, and I looked at him, (laughs) and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I'm anticipating the continuation of this conversation. And he looks at me, and he goes, oh, and he walks away. I know, I know, sad, right? Sad story, Donna. So (laughs) my friend reminds me of the Pharisee that we're going to read about today named Nicodemus. Nicodemus snuck out at night to meet with Jesus. He didn't really understand who Jesus was, but he was curious and he had no idea that night when he met with jesus that he would learn the truth about who jesus was the truth about salvation and the kingdom of god it was an important night and just like my friend had no idea what he was asking me on that day when he talked about the sporting event and the bible verse and the sheet and how important that life-giving answer was to him so um Now that I've given you the intro, let's go to the Word of God, the most valuable thing the world affords. And we're going to read together. If you could stand up and join me as we read John 3, 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish council, He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world would be saved through him. Amen.
1: The word of God for the people
0: of God. Thanks be, to God. Thanks be to God. Have a seat. Well done. Nicodemus was part of the elite in Jerusalem. He was a wealthy man. Some sources say he possibly was a member of one of the most distinguished families in the country. As a Pharisee, a deeply religious man who was committed to keeping the law, which was the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of your New Testament. He was a ruler of the Jews as one of only 70 members of the Sanhedrin, which is like the supreme court of the Jewish people. So why did this aristocrat want to meet with Jesus, a lowly, homeless prophet? John wrote that Nicodemus understood Jesus to be a teacher and a miracle worker endowed by God's power. We know from reading John chapter 2 that Jesus seems to be doing a lot of miraculous signs. So it seems as though initially Nicodemus just wanted to get together and talk to him about the amazing things he'd either seen him do or heard about. So yeah, he was hoping, you know, that he could get together with Jesus and talk man-to-man, teacher-to-teacher. And Jesus kind of bypasses Nicodemus' questions, and he challenges him to think about his real questions. What it is he truly needed to know. Jesus is going to get to the heart of the matter here. And that is how it is with God. He always desires to get to the very heart of us and bring to light what it is we really need. Jesus ignores Nicodemus' remarks about his miracle and instead proclaims the truth that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born from above. For Jesus wants Nicodemus to know before they can sit down man to man and talk about heavenly things, he must first experience new life, rebirth, through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And with that birth, Nicodemus and all of us then can enter into new access with God, one that brings understanding to the miraculous, miraculous signs that Nicodemus had seen. I think one way to understand what Jesus was saying is to think about love. We can observe signs of love. We see people dating, we see people holding hands, we see fathers rocking their newborn baby. We go to a wedding and we watch people proclaim their love for each other and we go, there is love. But we don't really understand it until we experience it ourselves. When we enter into an intimate relationship with someone else, we experience that love, and it gives us a framework for understanding the love we have observed. Jesus knew that Nicodemus needed to experience God in an intimate way, a way that would radically change him from within, then and only then, Could he come to understand what Jesus was all about? It was one thing to know the law of God, to teach the law of God, to make sure others followed the commandments correctly. But to love God in an intimate way, well, that was the piece that Jesus was trying to point out to Nicodemus. You see, all of Nicodemus's credentials—his knowledge, his money, his position, his power—they could not bring him in to the kingdom of God. And guess what? Our credentials will not bring us in to the kingdom of God, for it's not about being a preacher, or a Sunday school teacher. It's not about an elder, a deacon, or missionary. It's not about a worship leader, a youth volunteer. It's not about being a church member. It's not about our jobs. It's not about how much money we make. It's not about how much we tithe or donate to other causes or our position in the community. Jesus said all of us, no matter who we are, must experience the transformation of our very character by the power of the Holy Spirit before we can possess the joy of being called a child of God. We must be born from above. But Nicodemus didn't understand what Jesus meant by rebirth. Was he as an old man supposed to crawl back up into his mother's womb and be born all over again, that would be impossible. Can we get an amen, women? So, you know I had to go there. Okay, so, you know what? He was right. Being born again is impossible for us to do on our own. How many of us can truly say we have the capacity to change the very core of who we are? How many times have I told myself I'm going to be more loving and less judgmental? I'm going to control my temper and be more patient. But when I do these things apart from the power of God in my life, I fail. Yet with God, the impossible becomes possible, and Jesus explains how. He says that we are to experience two births, one flesh to flesh, and the other is spirit to spirit. It is the spiritual birth that Jesus is talking about when he says, you must be born from above, or another translation says, you must be born again, and still another says, you must be born a second time. I want to share my second-time birth story with you. Pastor Jericho encouraged me to talk about this in this sermon, so thank you, Jericho. I grew up um, in the Catholic Church. Uh, I grew up uh, in a suburb of Portland, Oregon, called Lake Oswego, and our church was called Our Lady of the Lake, which, fun fact, Peter... Pastor Peter, though he is in Washington, he grew up in a Catholic church that was called Our Lady of the Lake as well. Kind of, I know. Kind of okay. There's was more than one apparently. <laughs> so, uh, um, so uh, my family was a very religious family. Faith and practice were central to our family life. Uh, my father was a leader in the church. We hosted Bible studies at our house. Uh, we prayed before meals. I went to CCD, which is like Sunday school on Mondays. Uh, uh, we went to, ch- went to church every Sunday. You, you get the idea that this, this was important um, to our family. And as a young girl, before church, I would always come up with a joke to tell God. Because I thought, gosh, God has to listen to all these troubles and woes and problems, and maybe He just needs a good joke and a good laugh. So during the service, when um, you know, when we were praying, I would tell God a joke. And I really, as you know, looking back, I see that as the first seed of a call, this desire to be a, a blessing to God, to be pleasing in His sight. To partner with him in his mission. It's silly, but I was a little young girl, so. Uh, so, fast forward to college. It's my junior year of college, and I'm currently going to school in Massachusetts. And my good friend from seventh grade, uh, her name is Terry, if she's watching, hello, uh, she um, had become a Christian over the summer. And she wanted to come and visit me during spring break and talk about her new faith. You know, growing up in a family where she didn't have any, you know, religious or faith upbringing, becoming a new believer was all new for her. And I was one of her closest Christian friends. So she's like, I'm going to go and spend time with Donna. So we read the Bible. She asked questions. And as we continued to talk, I realized I didn't really know the answers to her questions. I didn't really know the Bible as well as maybe I thought I did. And I started wondering, what, what am I missing? Like, what, how could this be? And she headed back home, and over the next few months, I, just was, I was troubled by that. I was like, what, what, what am I missing, Lord? What am I missing? So uh, summer comes, back home, we're hanging out more, we have more discussions, and over the course of the summer, uh, God began to reveal himself to me in new ways. Biblical verses that called us to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind meant putting God first. Other verses that spoke of salvation through grace, filled my soul with peace and love. And that summer, I experienced God's unconditional love and forgiveness in a new way. For the first time, I asked Jesus Christ to take the rightful place in my life as Lord and Savior. And at that time, I felt the outpouring of the Spirit that we have been talking about, and I experienced a fullness of joy and peace and love, so much love. I remember, um, remember when earlier I just talked about love? I think I had seen it, I could point to the love of God, but now I experienced it. And experiencing it was so powerful. God was no longer a guest in my interpersonal library in the religious section, but rather God took center stage and remodeled my library. And I've never been the same. So now that you know my, my story, you can begin to understand why this John 3 text is so powerful to me. I can relate to Nicodemus. He knows God. He seeks God. He wants to live according to the law of God. But that was all about what he was doing. God was calling Nicodemus into a relationship with him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. God is calling you into a relationship with him. Come to me all you who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Cast your cares upon me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen? Amen. When we ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, we enter into a relationship with the living God, and we grab hold of that promise that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. Born again, born from above, born a second time. It is in that birth that we experience God's love and mercy, forgiveness and grace. For we are born into this world, sinners, living lives that do not hold claim to this spiritual birth, this new life, this salvation. Yet God continually offers us new life through the saving grace of Jesus Christ. This is the message of hope to broken people. This is the message of hope to a broken world. Amen. Amen. Sometimes examples of God's grace appear in the most unusual places. A while back, I had the opportunity to fly a a Boeing 767 aircraft. That's right. There it is. Well, not the actual aircraft, but a, a simulator of the Boeing 767 aircraft. My husband um, is a pilot, and he was working in the training center where they train pilots in this flight simulator. And it was a slow day, and he said, hey, you want to come down and fly a 767? I'm like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> The simulator is a cross between the actual cockpit and a giant video game. It was awesome. <laughs> so, uh, I learned very quickly that my two favorite components were the freeze button and the reposition button. And I became very familiar with them as I was attempting to land this superjet. Uh, Let's just say that the closer I got to the ground, the louder the bells and whistles and lights, a lot of red lights, a little green. It was Christmas time in the cockpit. (laughs) I don't care, though. I'm landing this baby, right? I don't care. There was one voice that was like, pull up, pull up. And I was like, what do you know? I, I don't bring this in. So... I get right over the runway. I'm about to land. Again, bells, whistles pull up, this is I don't care. And all of a sudden, right when I think I'm going to touch down, the screen goes blank, everything froze, and a second later, I'm back up in the sky as though nothing had happened. And I was like, look at my husband, and I go, I'm the, by the way, I'm the captain. So I'm in the captain's seat, it's the left side, he's over there. Anyway, so I look at my husband and I go, what just happened? And he goes, oh yeah, you were about to crash land. So I push the freeze button, which stops everything and uh, the reposition button, which takes you up about five miles out so you can try again. <laughs> and I thought, boy, I could use a freeze, reposition button in so many other areas of my life. And then I realized I have that in my life. It's called the grace of God. By trusting in Jesus Christ, I am forgiven for my mistakes, and I have an opportunity to start again Every minute of every day, God continues to push the reposition button for his children. That is how we continually experience this new birth, this relationship with God. What was impossible for us to imagine, what was impossible for Nicodemus to understand What's impossible for us to do ourselves, the Bible tells us that God has done it for us. God made the impossible possible. And this is how it's done. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, no, But that the world would be saved through him. The God of new beginnings is waiting and ready to push the reposition button in your life. Are you ready to ask him to do that? Will you pray with me? Lord God, thank you so much that it's not up to us, that you, by your power, love, mercy, and grace in our lives, Rework our mistakes. Freeze time. Reposition us in the place you want us to be. Lord God, if there is anyone here whose heart is stirred and they want to experience this um, new life, this rebirth, Lord, come to them in a powerful way. For those of of us that just need this reminder, Lord, we, we are thankful for your word, the most precious thing the world affords. Lord God, be with these amazing children of God. May they know that you love them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon Podcast. To hear more of our sermons or to subscribe or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at CPC.